sermon is Herding Cats, with a subtitle of Unity and Diversity While Reopening Cornerstone. I know that I'm mixing metaphors and that it's supposed to be shepherding sheep, and usually it feels like shepherding sheep, but with the added complexities and diversity of these days, it really, it's, it's begun to feel more like herding cats. So you start with our normal amount of diversity. We're all different people from all different places and different ages and different levels of education and socioeconomic status and so on, and uh, male and female, and you bring that all together into one, one church. There's a lot of diversity going on there. There's diversity of spiritual gifting and how the Lord has um, uh, given you gifts for service in the body of Christ. But then you add to that this season that we're in with a massive amount of diversity among our church over what threat level do you think COVID presents to you? Uh, How should we be responding to it? How should we deal with it? How do we come back as a church? Do we not come back as a church? Who's coming back when? Uh, How we talk to each other about it? It's just it has added so much diversity and has created so many opportunities for decision-making. And there are basically 10 people who are constantly involved in a lot of decision-making right now. That's our staff and our pastors. The 10 of them are involved constantly in uh, coming coming to a position that we could all agree on and then say to you, okay, here's what we're doing next. It's just been, well, what occurred to me this week, this is like herding cats. So no offense, you've all been great. You're all doing wonderful, but it really has been crazy. So the, the, the thing I want to do in this message is talk about unity and diversity while reopening. And the point is, yes, we're in a time of massive differences of opinions and diversity, but my brothers and sisters, we're going to do this in unity. Amen? Amen. We're going to do this in one heart, one soul, one mind, bathing it all in brotherly love. We're going to do it to the honor of God. And this message is about how we might do that. It's it's helping us to do that. So here's a passage of scripture I want to open up with, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and it speaks of unity and diversity. So the apostle Paul writes, and this is God's word, now there are varieties of gifts, and man are there ever, just varieties but the same spirit. So you see there's varieties, that's diversity, but same, that's unity. We all have the same spirit in us. And there are varieties of service, different people serving in all different kinds of ways, uh, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, and man are there. Even in days of COVID, there's just so many activities and things going on, and again, decisions to be made. Uh, There's so many varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So you see there, there's varieties, but the same. There's varieties, but the same. There's varieties, but the same. And to each for the common. I'm reminded of our, our national motto, which you know is e pluribus unum. That's our motto. That's out of the many, the one. And that's what the body of Christ is to be, out of many, all these varieties, all these differences of service and gifts and activities, the many become one, united by the Spirit of God, one in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what we want in this time of easing our way, Brian Atwell's term, easing our way back into the building. We want, in this incredible time of of diversity, 
We want unity. We want to be one. A little bit later in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul writes, For just as the body, your human body, is one and has many members, five fingers on each hand, five toes on each foot, two ears and nose, many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. So the body of Christ, even in a season of figuring out how we ease our way back into the building and all stay happy with each other, uh, the body of Christ is many members, but we're one body, and we're to be one, we're to act like one, we're to feel that we're one in this, in this time of COVID and coming back into our building. Now, the next passage, 1 Corinthians 12 still, is going to show us a, a, like a key attitude we're going to have as we come back into our building. So here it is, the next verse, Paul says, and if one member, talking about your body and its members, and the body of Christ and its members, if one member is honored, then all rejoice together. So that word honored, the word that's highlighted, honored, there are so many different opinions here. There's such diversity. There's everybody from way over there to way over here. I'm way over here, but I didn't tell you which one that is, did I? You can guess. Uh, there's so much diversity. And um, in the midst of that, what we want to do is show each other honor. So wherever you are on the spectrum, we honor you. If you're over here, you get honor. If you're over here, you get honor. If you're somewhere in the middle, you get honor. If you decide you're coming back right away, let's throw caution to the winds, you get honor. You might not get what you want yet, but you get honor. Um, if you're way over there and say, we're going to sit this out for a while till we see how the dust settles, you're going to get honor for that. And if one member is honored, then all rejoice together. That's what we want. We want to come back into our building, being one, honoring one another in a way that everybody can just be happy and rejoice being back together again. So that's a good verse for us as we come back. Now, let me give you a phrase here that I wrote. It's nothing special. Just wanted to write it and put it in front of your eyes while I say it. We are doing our best to navigate Cornerstone's return to gathered worship in a way that allows the many to remain one. We're working really hard on that. Now, let me give you some points about unity. First one is unity is delightful. Unity is delightful. Amen? Yeah. Isn't, it, isn't it fun? Like you're married, there's a husband and a wife, and you guys are getting along and you have unity. It's delightful. You and your kids have unity. Good luck with that one, kids. And kids. But it, it's delightful. You and your relatives, unity. It's delightful. A church full of people who have unity. And my brothers and sisters, we're blessed with that. We're going to seek to maintain it. We've had it for quite a while. We're going to maintain it as we come back into the building. But unity is, is delightful. Here's a great verse about that. Psalm 133. Look at it with me, please. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. The psalmist is saying, to use my word, it's just delightful. Look at how good it is. He even uses the word behold. I like that. Behold means I really want you to see this. Look, just check this out. Make sure you get this. Don't miss this. Behold, behold. How good it is. It's just good. 
and how, how pleasant it is. Has it been pleasant being here today? Has this been a treat? Oh, man, this has been so wonderful. How good and pleasant it is when brothers, those who are in the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters who are following the Savior, how good and pleasant it is when they dwell. I want to dwell on the word dwell for just a moment here. Um, I don't know if, if you've thought about this. I bet you have. Isn't it amazing that in God's providential dealings with us, out of 7 billion people on the planet, we are doing life together. Isn't that incredible? We dwell together. We live in the same house together. Isn't it amazing that uh, out of all the people that you spend your time with, we get to spend a lot of time with each other. And those of you at home, come join us sometime soon here. Spend some time with us in this room and and, uh, back in our homes with community groups. But we get to do life together. We get to dwell together. I read a business book not long ago by Ray Dalio. He's a hedge, hedge fund billionaire and a really good author, a lot of great insights for leadership and stuff. One of the things he said was, when you hire people, hire really carefully because you're going to spend a lot of your life with them. Make sure you really want to spend a lot of your life with them. I get to spend a lot of my life with a bunch of pastors and a bunch of staff and a bunch of people, and it's love. It's just good, and it's pleasant, and it's wonderful, and we're doing life together in unity. So uh, unity is delightful. Then he gives us a uh, couple of similes. A simile uses the word like. It's like this. It's like that. He gives us a couple of similes, and here's the first one, Psalm 133. It is like this good and pleasant unity It is like the precious oil on the head. You say, what? Running down on the beard, double what? On the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. You say, what on earth? How does that simile tell us how wonderful it is to have unity? Here's how. This is referring to a day that you can find in the Bible in Exodus chapters 29 and 30. This is the day when Israel first, what's the word? Uh, Uh, anointed, anointed Aaron as their high priest over their whole nation. And it was a great ceremony, a great celebration. Everybody was there. They were all focused on this, the moment of anointing, then how the oil ran down on him, and they're all going, yeah, yeah. And so the psalmist refers them back to this great day in their national spiritual history and says, you know how cool that day was? That's what it's like when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. So that's the thing he's talking about there. Then he gives us another simile. It's from agriculture. It is like the dew of Hermon, Mount Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing life evermore. What's this about dew? What's the deal there? Well, as you know, I'm sure dew is uh, moisture that that settles on vegetation. And uh, what it does is it creates like a, a, a water barrier so the vegetation does not lose any of its moisture due to that little water barrier of the dew. And that means you get greener vegetation and, and livelier vegetation through the day. The dew actually helps with the eco cycle in that way. I didn't know that till this week, but I thought I'd better look it up. So there it is. Um, so it's like the dew, and what does the dew do? Well, it makes things green. 
It makes things luscious. It makes things beautiful. It contributes to that in the eco-cycle. And so he's saying, uh, if you have unity, if you dwell, if you get to do life with some people in unity, it's like that day when they put Aaron into his office. It's like the dew that settles on the green vegetation. It's really a wonderful experience. Unity is delightful. Amen? Amen. Amen. Here's a second point about unity. Unity is crucial. Unity is crucial. It is crucial for a healthy church of the Lord Jesus Christ to enjoy unity. And we have been, and I'm not preaching this because there's any problems I'm aware of. I'm just preaching it so we don't become aware of any problems. Because there's a massive potential for disagreements right now uh, in our church and in our world. So uh, unity is crucial. Without unity, a local church like, the, like this, this part of the body of Christ, is, it's like it has an autoimmune disease. Cells inside the body are attacking other cells inside the body, and uh, that's a very unhealthy situation to be in. Unity is crucial. Um, Galatians, Paul says to the Galatians, be careful uh, lest you bite, be careful to not bite and devour one another. Be careful not to, ah, I forget it now, I had it earlier. Anyways, be careful you don't get bite and devour or you might get chewed up. That's what he says, you might get chewed up. That's what happens when there's disunity. Fighting, war, internal focused. Church that lacks unity can't be on mission. It's all focused inside. But let me show you why I say it's crucial. John chapter 17, this is our Savior. It's his great high priestly prayer of all the things he could pray for as he's going to leave the disciples, go to the cross, and go up into heaven. Of all the things he could pray for, guess what he picks? Here it is, and he tells us why. Father, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, the disciples right there in front of him, but for those also who believe in me through their word. That's you. And that's you, and that's you, and that's you. The Savior, your Savior, is praying with you in mind. He knew who you were. He's God. He's omniscient. He prayed for you, and you, and you, and our church, and and every church on this day. And what's he going to pray? That they may all be one. Even as you, Father, are in me, that level of oneness and I in you, that level of oneness, that they also may be in us, that level of oneness. The fact that Jesus Christ chose to pray this indicates its importance. Of all the things he could have prayed, he says, here's the one that's on my heart. Praying to you, Father, make them one like we are one. Give them a Trinitarian level of unity and oneness. That indicates this is crucial. This is really important. But we also see how crucial and important it is by looking at his reason for it. Um, So that, in order that, for the purpose of that, with the end goal in mind that, the world may believe that you sent me. What are we left here for? Why aren't we saved and beamed up into glory? That'd be pretty cool. Why do we have to stay here in this mess? It's because there are other sinners who need to hear. It's because you have a gospel to preach to the world. It's because we want to bring in more sheep. And so that's the church's mission on the planet is preach the gospel to every creature. And we want them to believe. Well, what's supposed to enhance their believing? They're supposed to look at us and say, wow, 
there's something going on with those people. Behold how they love one another. Look at how they get along. They got all this diversity, 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 and yet somehow you can tell there's love, there's love being together. You know, they're, they're supposed to be like, I want some of that. I want to know where they got that. I want some of that for me. To contrast that, a church that has disunity and an outsider, somebody who's not a follower of Christ, looks in and sees that mess, what do they say? <laughs> you know, uh-uh. I got enough of that in my life already. I got that at home. My dog won't even obey me. I got problems at work and my neighbors, we have tension going on. I don't need to go to a whole church full of tension. Forget that. I'm out of here. Believers get wounded. Believers get discouraged. It's just a horrible situation. So the Lord Jesus says, I'm going to pray for something. I'm picking one thing. So you better believe it's going to be crucial and important. And here's what it is. I want you all to be one. And here's why it is, because I want them to believe. Unity is crucial. So my brothers and sisters, while we navigate our way back into this building, whatever steps we end up taking to get it there, and whoever agrees and disagrees, we want to do it as one. Disunity negates a church's witness to a needy world. Disunity hamstrings, cancels out a church's witness to a needy world. A church hindered by disunity will have a ton of noise and very little signal. And what you want is low noise and high signal, uh, a lot of biblical verbiage. So it's, 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 uh, it's crucial. Now, let me go on some more about unity. It is commanded. It is also just plain commanded. Look with me. The words are down there if you're at home and up there on the screen. Um, and I'm going to read it off my iPad this time. Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers. He's making an appeal. If you ever say to somebody, look, I'm appealing to you, this is kind of a big deal, right? Otherwise, you don't use that terminology. I appeal to you, brothers. Now, look, he really ups the ante. I'm appealing to you by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, now that's a big appeal. He's invoking the name of the Son of God. He's appealing by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What's this going to be? This must be important. This is a command. He's appealing to them, but it's a command. Here's what it is. That you all, that all of you rather, agree. And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. I love this last part. (laughs) For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. Unity is commanded. Paul appeals to them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what I want you to do. You need to agree. There need to be no divisions among you. You need to be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Again, he's heaping up terms. It's very rhetorical. Do you think he's making a point here? Do you think he wants the church of Jesus Christ to be one? Yeah, I think so. By the way, this is a total aside, but it just now popped into my head because this means a lot to me. I don't think this just means that within each individual local church there ought to be that kind of unity. I think this means between all believers on the planet and all kinds of churches, and I'm going to agree with my favorite living theologian, John Frame, who says he thinks denominations are... Uh, These are my words, but this is what he meant. Denominations are an indication of our fallenness and our sinfulness, and they should not exist. 
We should just have one big church and we all love each other. But hey, we're far from that, aren't we? That confuses the world. But Paul is commanding. It's not, it would be nice if, it's not, you know, I have an idea. It's, I want you to be agreeing, no divisions, etc. Let me show you another passage that shows how its unity is commanded. Ephesians chapter 4, please. Be being diligent. Y'all know what diligent means, right? That means you're getting to it. You're working hard. I'm on it. That's diligent. Yes, mom, I'm on it. All right, that's diligent. I want you to be on it. I want you to be diligent to preserve the unity. See, you already have the unity of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you and the Holy Spirit is in me. We are one in the body of Christ. But now you can mess up that unity. So he's saying, I want you to be on it. I want you to be very diligent to keep, to preserve, to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What great terms. What great writing. The, the unity that you have on the Spirit of God, maintain it. Keep it. Don't mess it up. And, and enjoy, as a result, the bond. It's a bond of peace. So I'm bound to you, and there's peace, and I'm bound to you, and there's peace, and I'm bound to you, and there's peace, and we're all just enjoying this unity and this peace in the body of Christ. It's a command. It's commanded. Here's another verse, uh, Philippians chapter 2, showing us again that it's commanded. He writes, complete my joy. See, that's another appeal. Earlier, he appealed by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's saying, look, do you care about me? (laughs) Me, I'm in jail. I'm the Apostle Paul. I'm a church planter. I led you guys to Christ. I planted the church that you're in. Um, And he's saying, make my joy, complete my joy, or make my joy full. That's interesting, too. He's in jail. And he says, my joy is almost full. I just need one more little thing from you all. If you would all just contribute this one thing, then it's going to go right to the top. I will be full of joy. All right, Paul, what is it? Complete my joy by being of the same mind. Having the same love. Being in full accord and of one mind, heaping up terms upon terms. I think he's making a point there. Fulfill my joy. Make me a happy, aged apostle dying perhaps in jail, and just you guys be one, and I'll be overflowing with joy. It's commanded. It's, it's commanded, and that motivates us. We're in the kingdom of God. We're subjects of King Jesus. What he commands, we love. We want to honor. We want to do, and he commands us to be one. So as we ease back into our building, coming back from our, our time away due to COVID, let's, let's fill each other's joy up by how we honor each other, by how we respect each other, by how we talk to and about each everybody. Don't even talk about, just to, forget about. Uh, let, let's, let's fulfill the aged apostle's joy. Let's honor our diversity and shape it into unity. Unity is commanded. Now I want to give you another point about unity. Unity is doable. This is doable. We can do this, brothers and sisters. Remember I started this sermon with the title, Herding Cats. But I'm telling you, that was just being facetious. This is doable. It can be shepherding sheep. 
We're pretty determined that it's going to be that. Well, how do we get there? With all this diversity, diversity, how are we going to do this and be one and fill each other's joy up? Here's some, here's some things that should help. First one, each one of them is a verb. The first one is love. We could end on that one, right? Because what's the, what's the greatest command? Love God. What's the other one that's like it? Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything else is details. Just love people. Just love everyone you come into contact with so you respect them and you honor them and you, you do what's good for them. Just love other people and let other people love you. Love is a complete state of other consciousness. God so loved that he gave his son. Husbands, love your wives and give yourself for them. It's a complete state of otherness. Others matter. I don't matter. And it will, uh, it will definitely build unity. We'll see this from Colossians chapter 3. Look with me. Paul writes, put on then, and I'm skipping a few things to shorten it, put on then compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive, and above all these things, put on Love. Now, notice what he says about love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So if I love and you love and you love and you love and, you, and we all love, guess what? We will be bound together in perfect harmony. So that's really the only thing you need. I got some more helps, but, but this is the one, this is the big one. Paul says, now abides faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So we want to be like our Lord Jesus. We want to be like our Heavenly Father. We want to come back into our building, um, respecting and honoring each other, and we also want to do it in, in love. That's how you herd cats back into the building. You do it with love. So love others. Here's a second thing that will help us get back in and stay in one piece. Be humble. Be humble. Everybody already, you're good at that already? Tell us how good you are. Be humble. Here's the verse. Here's the verse. There's the verse. Therefore I, Paul writing, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Worthy means equal in weight. The Greek word is axios. It's like you have a scale, and over here is your calling. It's everything that we have in Christ, an eternal way to glory. And then over here is how you're living. It's your walk. It's to be axios, equal in weight, worthy of this calling with which you have been called. Okay, how? What? I'm ready. Tell me what. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, Showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Like, how are you going to walk away from that and have a church fight? <laughs> how are you going to walk away from that and split? How are you going to walk away from that and offend each other and have all kinds of problems with each other? If we can just focus on all of that, man, look at the stuff in there. It's, it's with humility. It starts right there. I don't matter. You matter. What you need, what you want, that, that matters more. Um, so I don't have to have what I want. It doesn't have to go the way I want it to be. And with gentleness. So we're treating each other with gentleness and with patience. 
That's what the pastors need right now. It's been insane. It really has been. You have no idea. It's been fun insane, <laughs> but pretty crazy. With patience and showing tolerance. Is that a good part of a verse for us right now with all these different diverse views of COVID and what to do and not to do? Showing tolerance for one another in love. So humility is a big help in getting back into a building and staying out of trouble. Um, be humble. Uh, I'm going to skip the next passage, Rob, and we're going to go to number three. Uh, number three thing that will help us is stay out of dumb fights. All right? Everybody got that? Just stay out of dumb fights. Now, there are fights that we need to get into sometimes in the church of Jesus Christ. If some wolf in sheep's clothing comes in and starts peddling heresy, we're going to have a fight. It's not going to go good. We're going to get our three biggest guys to haul them out in the parking lot, give them the impression that they might not want to come here again. So there are things you want to fight about. You're one of those, Laban, that's right. It's you, and it's him, and it's Frank Turner. I want you three. You're my, you're my bodyguard team, man. We get some heretic in here, sick them, all right? Take them down. So there are things you want to fight about in the church of Jesus Christ. There are things, things that matter enough that they're worth a fight. But there aren't too many of those. And there are a whole lot of things that are dumb to fight about. And, and the Bible tells us this, Romans 14.1. I have had this verse in my mind so much, actually the whole paragraph right there in Romans 14, since this whole COVID thing and how it's affecting us. And here Paul is talking about one who is weak in the faith. Now, let me explain that. You can go ahead and read it. But uh, it's a particular kind of weakness he's referring to here. As many of you will know, that the issue going on there was they lived in a city where you could buy food in the marketplace that had been offered to idols and now was for sale. And some believers thought, oh, man, I'm not buying that food. That's tainted food. That's like demon food. I ain't eating none of that demon food. Don't you? I'm coming to your house. You're not serving demon food, are you? I don't want the demon food. And then there were others who said, you know what, I, I know something they don't know. And in this way, they're weak and I'm strong. I have some knowledge they don't have. I know there's nothing wrong with that steak. It's still a really good steak. And you can buy it and you can eat it. That's what Paul says is the correct view in the passage. But just giving you the backdrop there. Now, as for one who is weak in the faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Now, this is not a direct analogy, and please don't, 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 please hear me. Please don't think I'm making this a one-to-one -one kind of analogy, but we might say there are some people who are, who are weaker toward coronavirus, like terrified, and there are other people who are, it doesn't faze me one bit, I don't care. The ones who don't care are responsible to welcome the ones who care and not to quarrel over opinions. You see that? Well, I have facts. They're not just opinions. All right, who has the facts about coronavirus? It's a little bit hard to come by. All right, you might have some data on statistics, and, and that's, that's factual, maybe. Uh, I think they're greatly expanded. Other people think they're smaller than they should be. So there's a lot of opinions going on. Listen, stay out of dumb fights. Respect other people's positions. Respect other people's opinions. Don't get with them to quarrel. Don't get into quarrels. Have the, I'm not on Facebook. I don't know. Have, have any of you been quarreling on Facebook over opinions about COVID? Is, was that a guilty laugh? Laban. Uh-huh. 
All right, there's one more verse about this, about staying out of dumb fights. It's in 2 Timothy. This is Paul to Timothy. I'll stay right here and just read this one. He says, Timothy, you're a pastor. You're in a church in Ephesus. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. Don't you love that? Timothy, there are foolish and ignorant controversies. Have nothing to do with them. Don't get involved. Steer clear. Why? You know that they breed quarrels. So just don't breed quarrels. Don't get into controversies. Don't pick fights with one another. Some people love a good fight, you know. That's not healthy. And the Lord's servant, that's what you are, Timothy. That's a technical term for a minister of the gospel. The Lord's servant, this is good stuff, man. All you pastors here, let's pay attention to this. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. You don't want to have pastor disaster who picks fights all the time. And he's quarreling and contentious. No, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, which is closely related to able to teach. If you're not able to teach in a way that's kind, then you're not able to teach. If you're just like hammering people all the time and blasting everybody instead of encouraging sheep who are getting beaten down by the world, uh, you don't qualify. Kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. That's, that's what we want to be. It's rather convicting to me. I read that and I think, really? How, how am I doing at that? Am I doing all right? I got to ask the guys, am I doing all right on that, guys? Wow. How do you turn herding cats into shepherding sheep? Here's one good way. Stay out of dumb fights. Say, well, um, what if it's something that I think is important, but we just can't agree over it? All right, here's what, here's what happens next. Number four, agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. Here's a verse that doesn't exactly say that, but it's close enough for me. Finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another. Just agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Agree. You say, but we don't agree, and we can't agree, and we've debated, and we still don't agree. What do we do? Agree to disagree, right? Now it's all better. Remember those two ladies, I think it's in the Philippian church, and Paul writes a letter, and they're sitting there in church when his letter is read, and his letter says, I urge Yodia and I urge Syntyche, two ladies sitting there, to agree. And then he goes on. <laughs> Just agree. Well, we don't agree. Well, you're going to have to agree to disagree. Now kiss and make up and, you know, go on your way. There are a lot of things we don't have to disagree about, or we could disagree and do it amicably. So... He wants you to agree with one another. Um, and if that doesn't work, here's the last thing that can help you. Play follow the leaders. Any of you kids at home ever play follow the leader? Christians are supposed to play follow the leaders. And here's how that goes. Hebrews 13, 17, appearing below me and above me simultaneously. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy. Make it fun for them. Make it a happy experience for them. And not with groaning, oh, I got a herd cats. 
oh, I got a shepherd sheep. Don't make it like that for them, and you guys never do, but let's make sure we keep it that way, all right? Obey them and submit to them. That has lots of limitations. There are things that are in your life that are not their business. There are things you don't obey them about. There are things you don't. But when it comes to ecclesiology, when it comes to doing church together, there are decisions they have to make. And the Scripture saying, all right, when they have to make a decision and they make a decision, you've got to follow the leaders. Not just one leader, a group of leaders. I'm not saying everybody follow me. That would be scary. But we have a group. We have a team. Here's what you don't want. Judges 21, 25, appearing above me. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. We don't want that. All right, I'm going to close with three brief things that we want you CCC cats to know. Here's the first one. Your pastors and staff are really listening to you. We are in like hyper-listening mode. We are in hyper-gathering information mode, doing surveys with SurveyMonkey and asking you to text me and write me and call me, and many of you are, and, and being in touch in other ways. We email you and ask you things. Uh, we're really listening to you. There's, there's 10 of us, staff and pastors all together. We're all very much involved in listening to you and formulating the best plans we can come up with to herd all the cats and keep everybody easing back into the building together. We're listening to you. We'll keep listening to you. Talk to us anytime, all right? We're glad to hear from you. Two, in closing, your pastors and staff, I'm happy to tell you, are walking in unity. It's been threatened a few times. <laughs> There's a few times somebody might have wanted to pick me up and throw me out the window. I don't know. But uh, we are walking in unity, and it's been pleasant. It's delightful. It's a wonderful experience how 10 people like that can go through a COVID easing back into the building exercise, and we're doing it as one. Even though we have very different opinions, yet we're able to come to consensus and say, all right, let's go this way. We have, we operate by what I sometimes call an idea meritocracy. That also came from Ray Dalio in his book, Principles, an idea meritocracy. We don't agree. What do we do? Let's throw all our ideas on the table. May the best idea win. It doesn't have to be my idea. I don't want my idea. I want the best idea. So the best idea is going to merit and rule. That's what we want an idea meritocracy. We're walking in unity and listening to each other and working with each other and trying to take our church forward in health. Finally, number three, and then this little bit too long sermon is over. I just want to say again, your pastors and staff honor your liberty and will respect your decisions relative to when you'll return within reason. Now, if it's three years from now, and you're still home on your pajamas with your coffee mug, and you haven't come back to church, and you're saying, we're not quite ready yet, sitting there in your pajamas, I'm going to send those three bodyguards out to your house. They're going to be a knock on your door. They're going to drag you back to church, all right? So within reason. But uh, there's a spectrum of comfort levels, and some people are right back. Some of you, you're the early adopters. Uh, there are others who are going to be like, no, I'm sitting this out for a while. Blessings. Blessings, blessings. It's the body of Christ. There are many members. We're going to respect each other and treat each other well. So, unity. I want to go back and read the verse. You don't have to go there with me, Rob. I want to read, um, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Let's experience that good and pleasant, doing life together as one. Amen? Amen. 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 Father in heaven, 
We want this for, for your honor and your glory, for the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, and so that the world may believe that the Father sent the Son. We pray, Father, that our unity and our joy and our brotherly love and our peace and our respect for one another would only grow and get deeper and stronger through our experience of finding our way back into this building. We pray for those watching at home today, some of them perhaps not yet followers of yours, Lord Jesus, and we pray that you might draw them to yourself. Even now, would they look up to you and say, yes, Lord Jesus, I need you to be my Savior, and I'm opening my heart to you, and I want you to be my Lord. I'm turning my life to you. I need you. Would you receive one as me? And Lord Jesus, we're so glad you welcome sinners, and we pray for that person at home who might have just looked up to you with saving faith. Would you help them to get growing now? And by the way, I'm going to talk to you at home. If you did pray along with me and that was your time to look up to the Lord Jesus, would you go to that Connect card that's in the uh, YouTube description down below here? Go out of full screen if you're in full screen. Find that, connect with us, and let us know that you prayed that prayer along with me. We want to help you get growing in your Christian life. Now, thank you, Father, for Pastor Stan, one of our beloved pastors. Been a pastor here for quite a while, and we pray that you will bless us by his words as he comes to close out the service. For we ask in the name of Jesus, amen.